Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody, I'm John Hindhoff and this is a real world road test on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The car we're going to take a closer look at today was roundly castigated by Mark Aficionados when it was first introduced. This said it should never have been built. It was a departure from the true line of this particular manufacturer. I'm talking about the Porsche Cayenne, now in its third generation and... In this test, we have the e-hybrid, the plug-in hybrid version of Porsche's big SUV. Real-world road tests. Right, let's start with the walk around the Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid. This is a familiar shape for, for most of you. Now, having got used to the fact that Porsche have built a, an off-roader, an SUV, the front end of the 2000 and 18-stroke 19 car has been lightly modified in this third-generation version that was introduced in 2017. It still has a very familiar Porsche look around the front end, and, and to my mind, they've actually evolved this car through the three generations very, very well indeed. The early versions perhaps tried to be a little too 911 around the front, and I'm not sure that the proportions worked. I think as... The car has matured and the design has matured. It's taken on its own personality. It's still unmistakably a Porsche from the front with that wide grille and air intakes underneath the two big headlights that stretch back into the bonnet and into the wings either side. Centrally mounted number plate lowered down and on this e-hybrid version, uh, not too much of a low front valance, although some of the uh, more sporty and higher HP, BHP versions have uh, even more aggressive looking front end let's uh, come down the side of the car and immediately I am drawn to these uh, 10 spoke alloys painted in silver, 20 inch on this car with the lime green, almost grello if you're a Manti fan from the VLN and the Nordschleifer 24 hours, almost grello-coloured Porsche calipers. That is also picked out on the badging of the car with e-hybrid on the front wing. Uh, That is the significant, and that is what stands out in terms of uh, signifying this as the plug-in hybrid. Some little detail changes down the side of the car, but not much. A slightly different side mirror design, and for all the size of those side mirrors they're remarkably quiet at speed the windscreen wipers tucked down for the most part below the trailing edge of the bonnet it's a big car it's based on the VW Group SUV chassis Bentley Bentayga Audi Q7 Q8 the new Lamborghini Urus all share the same platform but this one wears its Porsche bodywork very well indeed not quite perhaps as slab sided as some of the other cars in the group and the addition of 
dark mouldings around the wheel arches and underneath to the bottom and underneath the doors on this dark blue version that we have here actually set the car off very well. The front and rear doors are perfectly perfectly proportioned and if I open the rear door it opens out to almost 90 degrees. There's not too much intrusion into the passenger space for uh, people to get in and out of in terms of the rear wheel arch there. And if I do my patent hand-off test, the seat is set for me to drive. So let's climb in. Oh, huge amount of room here. On a very comfortable rear bench seat. And even in the back of this car, it's a nice place to be. Plenty of shoulder room, fairly light and airy, huge amount of headroom. And on this e-hybrid version, uh, there is the option of either sliding the seat forward or back. It's all the way back at the moment. Still gives you a decent amount of luggage space. I'll talk about that in a moment. And you can also tilt the backrest as well. There's a couple of USB ports and a more standard 12-volt outlet as well as controls for the centrally mounted air vents there. No air vents, air vents in the B pillar, as I've seen on some cars like this. Uh, around my shoulder area where the seatbelt comes in, uh, there's a little uh, third side window, if you like, and that just lightens the cabin up. It is black uh, and silver, but it's done nicely, and it's a pretty comfortable place to be. Uh, there's a, an armrest that falls down with a couple of, of cup holders on it as well. Let's move around to the outside and the back of the car. Very easy to get in and out, actually. Just realised that. It's the rear end of the car on this new edition. This is a 2018 registration for the 2019-18-19 model year. It's the rear end that's changed probably the most and now has what is rapidly becoming Porsche's signature on their cars, the backlights that run all the way across in a uh, right the way across the back of the car with the Porsche script now underneath a little plastic cover which goes right the way across the tailgate the lights themselves are LED and they wrap into the rear wings here the e-hybrid script on the back Cayenne script right in the middle above the number plate and again edged with that very bright lime green yellow two very large and purposeful trapezoidal exhausts one either side a little bit of sort of pretend aero under the rear valance but it's a pretty clean rear end to this car rather echoing what we saw on the revamped Panamera and what we're now seeing of course on the 992 Porsche the new model of Porsche's classic sports car. A little bit of a spoiler over the top of the rear window, which does a good job in keeping the rear window clean, although there's wash wipe uh, on there as well. And from any side that you look at it, this is a good-looking car. It's got nice haunches on it. The 20-inch rims fill up the wheel arches pretty well. Uh, two petrol caps, but of course the one on the left-hand side isn't a petrol cap at all. Uh, that one is where you plug in your hybrid should you want to I actually think they've done a good job with this evolving and just nibbling away at the design of this car it's not that far removed from the original version all those years ago but it's just been nipped and tucked to take into account 
the, the modern fashion for these bigger cars. I think it wears its size rather well. And in truth, until you see them together, or if you know your Porsches very well, looking at a Macan, the smaller SUV, and a, a Cayenne, if they're not standing side by side, you'd be hard pushed to realise that this one was so much bigger. But it is bigger. Let's open the tailgate and talk about the luggage space. This one is electrically assisted. Rear view camera as well. And as I stick my head in here, you'll hear the difference in the sound quality. That is a big boot. No seven-seat option here. That might be a problem for some people, but of course Audi do do the seven-seater if you want one in the Q7. Underneath the rear floor, the accoutrements of the Bose subwoofer uh, and, of course, the bits and pieces, tyre compressor and everything you need should you have a puncture. No spare tyre on this one. There is a tonneau cover that comes across or a load cover that comes across and slides and fixes. And I can tell you that with the rear seats up, this pretty much took everything we need needed to go to Le Mans and to the Nürburgring, including the broadcast kit to go to the Nürburgring, which, albeit was a slightly pared-down version of our uh, Mobile One Radio Le Mans setup. But that was with the back seats in place. Now, I'll, I'll admit the back seats were slid forward, and that gives you another four or five inches. Do you have to be careful when you do that, though, because there is quite a big gap, then, between the back of the back seats and where the rear load deck starts. It's uh, easy to get things to drop down there. Now, on the way back from the Nürburgring, decided to do some shopping on the way back, so I flattened the rear seats, which is a very easy thing to do with just one lever, and they go all the way completely flat, sitting in behind the front seats that have a hard back on them as well, and got loads of wine, shopping, all of that stuff in, and it really was very impressive and very, very versatile indeed. There's also on this car a button in the back so that you can pull the back suspension down to a loading level it takes it down about an inch an inch and a half and that does make life a little bit easier if you're putting heavy boxes into it you know like radio station stuff all right let's close the back and move into business class which is the front seat settle yourself in and close the door which has soft close on it so you don't have to slam it and if you've had a Porsche of any variety in the last well, 20 or 30 years, I would think, you'll immediately recognise this as a Porsche cabin. Although a lot of the dashboard now is uh, TFT screens, it's still the classic Porsche rev counter right in the middle with two smaller and slightly overlapping roundels of gauges either side now you can configure this dashboard pretty much anywhere you want the constant is that rev counter sitting right in the front with a miles per hour display as well in uh, digits there and also your gear selector as well as the uh, lights for your e-power whether you're using power from the battery or you're charging the power the dashboard is pretty simple there's some Switches for the lights, but most people will leave that on auto. The steering wheel is a three-spoke Porsche Sport item with a few buttons on it. But to be honest, it's not that difficult, fairly intuitive to use. And the if you've again, if you have had a Porsche recently, then you'll find yourself pretty much at home. The paddle shifts are 
Uh, either side of the steering wheel, right to change up, left to change down. Long gone, those horrible old thumb switches that worked um, on a rocker switch and uh, you could change up or down on the same button, which were somewhat difficult to get used to and kind of defeated the object of, of having paddles, to be honest. Well, there weren't paddles, as I said, there were switches. These paddles are aluminium. They feel fantastic. They're exactly where they need to be if you have your hands at nine and three, and that is a very comfortable place to be on this heated leather steering wheel with three spokes. Now, also got the uh, the Porsche uh, performance wheel as well. Uh, on there, which includes the little button to put everything uh, through the car for short bursts, just as we first saw on the uh, 911. And when you do that and you've got full electrical charge in the battery, you're talking about 456 horsepower going through the four-wheel drive system. Um, it is a four-wheel drive system that is biased to rear-wheel drive, so for most of the time you're driving a rear-drive car until you either ask for a lot of power or the road con- conditions uh, demand it. Everything is controlled from buttons and or the touch screen. And as I fire up the ignition, if you will, I'll just turn down the radio here, which is still showing R. Lamont, which is nice. Um, it's like the Starship Enterprise. It's a completely black screen until you start to bring, bring up this uh, home screen, which you can configure. It's a... Uh, uh, 11, nearly 12 inches uh, across this oblong at the front, uh, in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the car. All touchscreen, but you can also navigate around using buttons as well. The centre console is piano black too, and all touch sensitive. There's haptic gesture movements as well, which you can program in to be more or less sensitive. There's an awful lot to set up and it did take me sort of 10 or 15 minutes to get everything sorted out to the way I wanted it before I moved away from Porsche Cars GB at Reading when we set off at Fall Amon almost three weeks ago. However, that said, once you've done it, you can hold that as an individual setting and it, re, uh, it reverts to that every time you get in the car. Uh, the individual settings will also take into account where you've got your suspension settings. This has air suspension with various heights and uh, various uh, shock absorber, effectively, settings, depending on how your driving is. I've left it in the first of the sport settings and down at the lowest level in terms of ride height, and it's been perfect uh, in every single way. A lovely balance between controlling what is a very heavy car and comfort as well. And it's dealt with the worst ravages of the UK's roads, as well as the smoother payage and autobahns in France, Germany and the rest of Europe. And it's done it and wanted to come back for more. One thing I will say is that the body control of this Porsche is absolutely as you'd expect. Of course, it isn't a Boxster, a Cayman or a 911 But this car has serious sporting credentials. Just as its smaller sibling, the Macan, sets the benchmark for uh, ride and handling uh, in the smaller SUV class, this Cayenne has to be right up there among the top, if not the top performers there. As far as the equipment's concerned, it's everything that you would expect. 
um, windscreen wiper stalk. You've got a very clever uh, cruise control, which includes the normal adaptive cruise control and also a Porsche uh, intelligent driving setting, which takes into account what it can quote-unquote see, looking at the speed signs, knowing what's coming up on the road in terms of sharp corners, roundabouts, off-ramps, etc. And if you want to, you can allow the car to make those decisions for you. It's easily turned off with a flick of a switch if you prefer just to drive the car yourself. It is an 8-speed automatic box, which is beautiful. Never seems to be hunting for gears. You can flick it across into manual and then change on the paddles if you want, um, which I've done a couple of times, particularly on the twistier and hillier parts of the road to and from the Nürburgring itself and uh, to our accommodations. The centre console itself, again in that black piano with all the touch-sensitive buttons on, we've got heated seats, we've got some of the aircon controls, still got those handles on there that were on the very first generation and that's become a Cayenne thing. A couple of cup holders in there, very handy for European travelling. Underneath, there is a charge pad as well as two USBs in the centre console and a bit of space down there. Door pocket, spacious enough to put a litre and a half bottle of water or several smaller ones uh, and all your bits and pieces for travelling. Word about the seats. Although these seats are only two buttons to, uh, to adjust them and they don't have an electric lumbar adjust... Um, they are absolutely fantastic. Supportive when you need them to be. The side bolsters seem to be just in the right place. Ditto the back. The headrest you can manually move in and out uh, and up and down should you want to. And along with being able to move the seatbelt, the top seatbelt tether, I found it very easy to get a comfortable driving position. Um, movement of the steering wheel is in and out and up and down as well, of course. Now, I mentioned those big rear-view mirrors tacked onto the doors. They are big. They give very good vision down the flanks of this Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid, but they make hardly any wind noise. Extraordinary. Even on the de-restricted parts of the German Autobahn system, the car is poised. It's quick enough. And over, over 1,500 miles that we've had in this car uh, well into the mid 30s the best we've seen almost 40 miles to the gallon that's when you've got a full e-charge and uh, easily 30 miles to the gallon even when you're partnering around now the thing is we haven't always been able to plug the car in although we could at Le Mans and so backwards and forwards from our accommodation there was done for quite a large proportion of the week on electric power alone and this being the second generation of the hybrid has a slightly larger battery capacity. Porsche using the technology and the battery company that they acquired to help them with their 919 hybrid in LMP1 racing have made great strides forward in the range and the compact nature of the battery pack. You really don't notice the extra weight of the batteries at all. It doesn't affect the handling of the car, but it will give you somewhere close to 30 kilometres or just under 20 miles, uh, around about 20 miles of running, depending on how you use it, 
or you can use it just to assist. I've got to tell you, I've had it on uh, hybrid auto pretty much all of the time. And that basically balances between recharging the batteries as you're running at a certain speed. Normally when you're up in eighth gear around about 2,000 revs, that's about 70 to 75 miles an hour or 120 kilometers an hour. And then it'll put back into the battery and then you've got a little bit of battery charge when you get off the highways uh, and into other areas, which as many more European cities and particularly German cities are beginning to be either low emission or noise emission zones is an abs- going to be an absolute boom. Uh, this is a petrol engine car. It's a V6 turbocharged and that purrs along quite nicely. Do have to use 98 octane though. All right. What about the driving in this car? Well, we'll get it out on the road and then tell you a little more about this real-world road test on the Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid. Real-world road tests. Behind the wheel of the Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid. Very pleasant place to be when the car's standing still and the experience isn't at all diminished, as you might expect once you rolling along let's make no bones about this this is a big heavy car I quite like that this style of vehicle the SUV you really don't want it to feel flimsy do you but what I would say is the Porsche hides its weight and its size very well when you're behind the wheel and driving it it's easy to place the corners of the car I like sitting quite far down in fact, the driver's seat is as low as it can be, but I still have a good view of both front corners and those big side mirrors on the doors show me the back. There's a camera, of course, and all the usual bells and whistles for parking. The steering wheel has just the right amount of feel to it. It's nice and positive in the straight-ahead position, not vague at all. The paddles fall beautifully to hand, and all the bits and pieces that you need to use inside the car not only are in the right place but feel good particularly those aluminium gear shift paddles either side of the steering wheel the aluminium three spoke steering wheel itself at least the center part of it feels like it's been cut from a single piece of billet might well have been it's got real quality to it and i like it a lot Sitting up high in an SUV is always a good place to be, isn't it? And you really do feel comfortable on the road. You can see over the hedges. The car, given its good all-round vision and relatively low waistline, the windows are well below my shoulder level. You get good all-round vision. You feel like you're at one with the car. But I still feel as I'm in the car, not on it. And bizarrely, although I'm up this high... The dynamics of the car can easily make you forget that you're driving, what, two and a half tonnes or thereabouts of 4x4 or SUV. If you're hustling the car on air roads that are a little bit twisty, you start to feel the weight transfer a little bit onto the outside front tyre, but it's very progressive. The Porsche chassis engineers have done just a good job with this car as they do with their sports cars. Don't get me wrong, it isn't a 911, 
it's not a Boxster or a Cayman. It's not even a McCann, but it's still a Porsche. And anybody who tries to tell you that this isn't a Porsche, well, they clearly haven't driven one and lived with one as I have for the last, what, two and a half weeks. By the time this car pulls up again outside of Porsche's GB headquarters, Porsche car GB's headquarters in Reading, there'll be just over 1,600 miles under its wheels on a variety of roads in a variety of conditions and it's dealt with them all. I like the balance that the rear drive bias on this car has. The versatility of a car like this is what is the real selling point. And what Porsche have managed to do with this car and also of course with the Panamera, particularly now in the Sport Turismo, the station wagon guys, is build a Porsche for people who really can't have a sports car but don't want to feel like they're losing out. And this car gives you all of the constituent parts of a Porsche. The touch, the feel, the quality, the excitement of sitting in the car, the sense of occasion of driving the car, but in a package that is more practical on a day-to-day -day basis if you have children or dogs or have to put a wheelchair in the back or want to take a radio station across Europe. All things that it would be lovely to do in a 911, but really are, would be impossible to do, wouldn't they? So a Porsche for everyone is the mantra of the Stuttgart firm nowadays and I suppose you could say that this car the first front-engined and certainly the first V8 engine Porsche since the 928 when it came out in its first-generation form has certainly set the ball rolling. The evolution, the lessons that have been learned through the previous two generations of this car all applied into the Gen 3 Cayenne. Now, what about the hybrid? How does that sit in all of this? Well, actually quite well. I am not sure that I'm the target market for this because the type of motoring that I do, the, the hybrid, isn't that much of a benefit for me. When we were at Le Mans and we were doing short journeys, then the hybrid comes into its own. And I can well see that somebody who maybe drives five or six miles to a railway station, gets the train to work and then does the same back, well, they'll probably not use any petrol right the way through the week. And then if they want to drive across Europe and not have to worry about charging infrastructure, you can do that brilliantly well with your V6 petrol engine. The electric range has been extended since the first generation of the Cayenne e-hybrid and electric only now is actually quite usable in cities and with the changing regulations about emissions then I can see why it would be important to some people to still be able to get in and out of towns and cities, but maybe they're travelling from slightly further afield to get there in the first place. So, in theory, you could let this car charge up on the autobahn or the highway on your way to wherever you were going for 30 or 40 miles, and then for the last five miles 
running around in the city you could be on electric only and you can select that all of those things are selectable from the big touch screen up front here but ultimately ultimately what it comes down to is how the car drives and how you feel about it there are plenty of competitors for this Porsche Cayenne quite a lot of them of course using the same platform from the VAG stable that would include Audi's Q7 and Q8 the Lamborghini Urus if you want something a little more extreme and Porsche itself have a new version of this Cayenne which has got a bit of a coupe look to it which I really like it's slightly less practical because you don't have quite as much luggage space in the back but ultimately if you've always promised yourself a Porsche but you need to take more than a single person with you or some kit then you do a lot worse than looking at the Cayenne it's a Porsche through and through from the moment that you open the door from the moment that you sit behind the steering wheel and every tenth of a mile that you drive this car there's no doubt that it's got Porsche heritage top to bottom front to back and the other thing is when you want it to perform the engine and the electric motors are perfectly in harmony and this car goes and with 456 horsepower on tap when you've got everything turned up to the max it's pretty quick a tractor car probably not but I have a strong suspicion it would embarrass some more sporty versions of saloon cars and you would do it in style and with that famous Porsche crest on the nose you'd have a bit of cash here doing it as well highly recommended the Porsche Cayenne and this in its e-hybrid format with the 3 litre petrol engine a brilliant European mile munching kilometre killing cruiser but also versatile practical and a lot of fun Another real-world road test. Check out more at RadioLeMond.com. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.